All right, if you have, have Bibles, turn to Matthew 28. Today I have one verse. They're like, what? You usually have 14 verses and they're all in different books of the Bible. <laughs> Today I have one verse. I'll read a few verses before it just to get um, background of what, what's going on here. But um, I got one verse to focus on, to look at this morning. Matthew 28 and verse 19 is my main verse. I'll start at 16. So um, let's all stand for the, to, for the reading of the word, all who are young and able, or old and still able. <laughs> Matthew 28, I'll start at 16. Um, now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And you may be seated. Um, Jesus came, right? He was born to a virgin mother. He lived 30 years growing up learning um, the carpentry trade, probably learning, just growing up. And then he had three years of public ministry. After that, um, you know, he was crucified. He rose again. Then we get to this. He told them, you know, meet me at this mountain in Galilee. So the disciples are there. Jesus comes. And this is the very end of his life. This is the, the last thing, his last words that Matthew has recorded here. This is the famous last words. But right before that, they're worshiping, but some are doubting. Um, Mark tells us they were they doubted for joy. It's like this was too good to be true. They still didn't quite get it that Jesus actually was alive. They still didn't understand what he was really about. Then he then he says, verse eighteen. He gives them the reason or his the reason for giving verse nineteen. So eighteen says, Jesus tells them, I have all authority in heaven and earth. He says, I got all the power, all the authority I need. Because of that, he says, I'm commissioning you. He's not saying, this is what you could do. This is what I'd like you to do. He's saying, I have all authority. Therefore, you go make disciples of all nations. Every nation. Because he has all authority in heaven and on earth, he can say that. He says, he wants you to go make disciples of every nation on earth. Now, some of you know, maybe you don't know, but we're having a baptism service next month, right? We have four, five, six, seven kids from Bible clubs getting baptized this fall. Um, children that have expressed faith in the Lord Jesus as their Savior. So we're going to baptize them. And that's what verse 19 tells us to do. Make disciples and baptize. Now, I don't want to talk about the baptism so much, and we're going to do that, but... He says, make disciples of, of all nations. Make disciples of everyone. So what is a disciple? We know that. Right? A disciple is someone who is taught by another, someone who studies another's life. A disciple, or a discipler, or mentor, we'll say, it's easier to say than discipler, is someone who teaches others, someone who trains others, someone who gives their life to teaching and training another person. So I got a couple statistics here from Barna groups. They do a bunch of church surveys, stuff like that. Um, young people 
are twice as likely to stay active in church life in their 20s if they have a relationship with an adult in that church. They are twice as likely to stay um, active and involved in church life if they have an adult mentor other than the pastor at that church. And 90% of young people who quit church when they get older, like, I mean, you know, like young people who become believers in Jesus, they're baptized, and then they get their 20s, 30s, and they go away from church. They still love Jesus. They still believe in him. But the people who assume that church has nothing for them anymore, they're done with church, 90% of those have never had a mentor at their church, never had an older believer take them out for breakfast, say, how are you doing? You know, what are you struggling with? What's, how's life going? Um, you know, I, okay, I struggle with those same things. You know, let me tell you a story about when I was young. 90% of those who walk away from church who, or give up on church life, give up on the, on the fellowship with a body, have never had an adult mentor Never had someone who took time out of their busy lives to give them a phone call, see how they're doing. So, um, these, you know, I've given the last five years of my life to minister to the kids in Red Lake. There's, and there's probably over the five years, there's been 60, 70 different kids that have come and gone through Bible clubs. And now, six, maybe seven of them have expressed faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they're going to be baptized. You know, there's missionaries that have spent their whole lives and have never been able to see the fruits of, of their ministry. Have, you know, there's some that have died, and then only after they've gone, people that they've spent years working with have come to belief in Jesus. And God has given us a whole bunch of them in only five years. And you know, no one likes to be stereotyped under statistics, but those numbers are telling us what's really out there. And we, don't, we can't allow these young people to stumble through life on their own. And you guys know what... These guys are going into high school shortly. You guys know what, what they're going to be facing when they get there. And after that, they move to the city, to college... It only gets tougher to live, um, or to um, live out of your relationship with Jesus Christ. It gets extremely tough, and some of you maybe have had a mentor or an older person, maybe you know, other than your parents, maybe who that has cared about you. Maybe some of you haven't, but all of us can probably imagine different times in our life when we felt all alone, and if there would have been someone that we could go to, someone that we trusted, we can imagine how our lives may have been different if we would have had that. And I'm saying we can't let these kids do life on their own. We have to, and we can't wait for them to come to us with a struggle. I mean, they're always, you know, it'd be great if they would, but we have to initiate a relationship with them now. So, I want to talk a little bit about mentoring and what I'd like us to see doing for these kids and what a mentor is and does. Um, you know, a mentor, the definition is an experienced or trusted advisor. Anybody who has more experience in their walk with the Lord 
and is trustworthy can be a mentor. So um, what would a mentor do? What I have envisioned is meeting regularly and frequently, like making it intentional, like writing it down, you know, first Saturday of the month we go for breakfast, uh, whatever, second Wednesday of the month I give them a call, whatever. It has to be intentional or it won't happen for long, right? And we know how life works. If you're not intentional about doing something, you'll do it once or twice and then that might be it. But if you make it a point that this is going to happen, then it, it's more likely to happen. But, um, you know, I don't know how regular that's up to us to, and, and the child that, that we mentor, but um, it should be regularly, should be fairly frequently. And it can be, you know, go to Timmy's for coffee, go out for breakfast on Saturday morning, or just a phone call, just a text, how's it going, you know, stuff like that. But, um, you know, and... These visits or these times will probably become less frequent over time as they get older. You know, they might move off to college and you can't see them in person regularly. Maybe once a year you'll have to make a trip to make sure you see them in person. But, you know, Skype calls, stuff like that. Um, you know, a mentor is a f- and one important thing. It's a friend but not a peer. Words, you care about them, who they are as a person. But you don't have to be where they are doing the things they're doing all the time. You're somewhat outside their life, and but yet pouring into their lives because you care, because you love. Um, another very important thing is they would have, each mentor would have to have an assistant mentor. And that's a second person just to um, protect you and us as a body that's more for, for legal purposes, you know, having a second person. So you, you text this young person, this young, young man, young woman, forward that text to the assistant mentor, just so that's an accountability thing. That's not an important part of this, but that's what I would see happening, just so you get an idea of what, what I want to see. And, um, you know, you go out for breakfast, you're in a public place, it's not a big deal, you meet them there, but if you have a phone call, you know, do a three-way call or recorded and send it to your assistant, whatever, just to make sure that, um, protect yourself really. But, um, beyond that, you know, a mentor is not a parent. I'm not asking you to parent these children. You care, but you don't have authority. You can't tell them you're not going to do this decision. You can tell them, I, when I was your age, all my friends were doing that. I did it too. I wish I wouldn't have or or I didn't do it, and this is why it turned out this way, whatever. You can share your experiences, you can share your life with them, but you can't say, well, you're not doing this, you can't do this, I for, you know. You're there to to love and to and to care for, but you're not a parent. I'm not asking you to be a parent. That's not your role. Um, you're also not a counselor. You know, a counselor is someone who's professionally trained, the relationship is um, strictly professional. It's usually a short term. It's um, you, you meet with them. You're professionally trained for a certain issue, and then uh, you give them advice. They go away. That's not what we're doing. This most of us are not professionally trained for this, but we are people that that care about these young men, these young women, and this relationship is going to be as long as both of you are still willing and able to. To keep it going. Um, and you are 
involved in their lives, not as an outside professional, but as, someone, as a friend, someone that really cares about who they are, about where their life is at. And you will have to protect their confidentiality where it's in the best interest of, of the child. Now, there's obviously times where, could be times that we probably won't or have to get to those, but you know, if, you do, if it's a serious situation where you have to get a professional, account, professional counselor involved or law enforcement, you do that. But generally speaking, we protect the confidentiality. So the child says, the young person says, I went out, got hammered last night. No one knows. No one, my parents, like I've never done that before. That stays between you and the child, right? Or whatever, you know, those things you protect the confidentiality because you're a, a true friend to this child. And Jesus said, baptize, disciple and baptize all nations because he, has, he said, I have all authority. He says, I have all the authority I could, that's possible. All authority is given to me and I want you to go make disciples and baptize them. So we as a, a church, we're baptizing them, but we're not going to leave them hanging. We have to disciple these so I don't, yeah, I don't know how we'll do it if we're going to set up a discipling program here at church or whether us as individuals are going to take initiative to go to these young, young men, young women and say, hey, care to go for a coffee? I'd like to be a mentor to you. I'd like to be your friend. I want to care for you because I have more experience than you. I've been where you are. And, you know, some of these kids have great parents, great homes, parents that care for them. But you were a teenager one time, and when, you, when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, mom and dad know absolutely nothing, right? Like, you think, you honestly think that your parents are so old-fashioned that they don't, anything they know is not relevant to your life. But when an outside person that really cares about you says the same things that mom and dad are saying, it starts to make sense. Right, Because the advantage you have, and I know this from personal experience, the advantage you have as being a mentor is that you're cool. They like you because you care about them and you're not mom or dad. So that's an advantage where you can say the same, maybe the same things mom and dad are saying, and it's going to start to click. It's going to start to make sense to them. So, um, you know... I've had a couple of statistics and the percentages, you know, twice as likely, 90%, all this stuff. That's just numbers out there. But these people are real people. They're not numbers. And we're not going to chalk them up on the statistics of someone who professed faith in God, became baptized, and then gave up, went away, was said, had enough, I'm done with that. We're not going to to let them. And you know, you guys know me. I've been here five years almost. And I'm usually pretty quiet. Right? I don't... I hardly ever tell someone that they have to do something. I care about people. I listen to people, but I love these kids. And we're not going to chalk them up as a statistic.
We can't. You look at churches all across North America, there's a lot of young people this big, a lot of 40, 50, 60 year olds. The 20 to 30s are not there. And that's a North America wide thing, but it's not going to happen here. We are going to care about these kids, we're going to be involved in their lives. We're going to love them. And we're going to walk with them as long as we can. Let's pray. Jesus, you said you are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Hell will not win. And Jesus, we just claim in your name that each one of these young people that have professed faith in you that that we'll be baptizing next month. We just claim each one of them for you. Jesus, we, we say that we will stand beside them. We will walk with them. We will struggle with them, love them, cry for them and care for them as you do, as you would. Jesus, thank you for building your church. Thank you for each one of these, these young people. Give us wisdom, give us grace, give us strength to walk with them. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So think about that. And I, don't, I said, I don't know how we'll, how we'll do it, how it will all look, whether I set up a program. And maybe we have to do that just for accountability and stuff. But, um, and, you know, maybe you'll do books. There's a... Now, for you ladies that will be mentoring girls, there's a great book called Popular. Great book for girls. So if you've got teenage girls, you know, I heard a pastor, I think it was Andy Stanley, one pastor said, if you ever pay your, bribe your children, to, your girls to read a book, it has to be that one. So, um, you know, that would be a, a great book to get, read it yourself and maybe give it to young girls to read. Young guys, I'm sure that there's all kinds of books and stuff we could get because, yeah, to help you at least get started because it's something like, well, how do you start, you know, how do you go about this? Well, you know, a book would be a great way to start and get to know them. You don't have to be serious life discussions every time you see them, but it'll get to that as the relationship goes. And maybe just going for coffee or if you don't, you know, going out for breakfast, whatever, would be a great way to start and just get to know them. So that's... That's what was on my mind this last month. And thank you for listening. Um, let's give a, bened- a blessing yet before we go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. You're dismissed.